0: Welcome to the Connectomics Podcast. Here we talk to theorists and practitioners about how notions of embodiment can help us to connect an understanding of ourselves with an understanding of the cultural, technological, and ecological worlds of which we are part. I'm your host, Mark Michael James. I'm a cognitive scientist and philosopher at the Okinawa Institute of Science and Technology in beautiful Okinawa, Japan. Please join me to connect with our guest for today in just a moment. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. We were taking a little break. Things got choppy. People got busy. And we decided that if we couldn't get podcasts out consistently, maybe we should just hang on again until we could. So in January 2023, we're coming back with... A consistent schedule of one podcast a month, at least. Why then you ask, are you announcing this on a podcast in December? Well, this was initially going to be part of that lineup for next year, but um, we thought maybe we could get a push and get it out in time for an event that we reference quite a bit in the podcast. And that event is happening this weekend. And I won't go into too much details. You'll hear about it in the podcast. But that event has been organized, um, curated, produced by or in part by my guest on the podcast, uh, Takashi Ikigami. Takashi is a professor of physics and artificial life in the University of Tokyo. And in the podcast, we get into all sorts of things. We talk about Takashi's background. We talk about his relationship with his father, how that led him on the on the path to, to doing physics how that started to open up different and interesting questions, eventually leading him to the study of artificial life. We talk about consciousness. We talk about the contagion of mind. We talk about panpsychism, animism. We talk about the possibility of conscious machines. We talk about lots of very cool stuff. Takashi is really a fascinating character. With a very fascinating background and someone someone who's not afraid to be a little bit provocative from time to time uh, which always makes for good conversation any of the workshops or many of the workshops and conferences I've been at have been enlivened by Takashi's presence and I think he makes an equally good podcast guest um, so we'll be back. In January, with a consistent schedule for the second season of the Connectomics podcast. Um, Until then, and without further ado, I bring you a conversation I had, I think, sometime around the end of November 2022 with Professor Takashi Ikigami. Oh, so you you were moving around with your parents even yeah, to the states?
1: Yeah, because my parents is uh, my 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 father is a physicist. Ah, okay, okay, Nuclear, okay. Uh, yeah.
2: Oh, very Nuclear interesting.
0: Physics, yeah,
1: right, right. I was going to ask you how you made the
0: jump from this rural part of Japan. But mm-hmm. So he was there. Was there an institute there? Mm,
1: yeah, he was working at the Stanford University.
0: Okay. Okay. Oh well. So you grew up in this kind of rich intellectual space? <laughs> yeah, or? yeah, that's, that's true, yes. Right. And did you have some sense or like some vision for yourself at that time? Did you have some resonance with what your father was doing? Because oh, yeah, ultimately yeah. you went into physics, right?
1: Yeah, but that's uh, exactly why I became a physicist. Because uh, yeah. uh, when I was an uh, elementary school student, I was you know like a wamp. Starting from from one plus three or something. Or <laughs> some, some just, just a simple math, right? And then my father was always like, uh, squares and triangles and no no numerals, right? Yeah. I was like, what, what's this one? is? And he said, well, you know, <laughs> this is what we call mathematics. And right, right, right. So, that's so you're what, like, so what am I doing there? Yeah, what I'm, what I'm doing here, right? So <laughs> please tell me this. And then so he tried to teach me something. And also... I remember that he told me about the four-color four-color problem when mm. I was an elementary school student, and it's not it's not solved yet. But four-color problem on the torus was already solved. Before,
0: uh, so you're gonna have to forgive my ignorance because I'm not a physicist nor a computer four, scientist.
1: Four-color four, four problem is whether do you, when you have a two-dimensional, uh, geometrical map, right? Okay. And then how many colors do you need to put the color in the region? And then there's mm, no color uh you know in an adjacent uh, regions, so ah, for example okay. like uh you know this for example like a square uh, digit you have only two colors two black white black white yeah, yeah. and then none of none of the region is is attached to each other with the same color right yeah but w- what about the general cases? How many colors do you need to to draw all the all the regions without you know uh, mat- matching much. the same color
0: yeah are you, are you asking me now, or is this just? <laughs> yeah, a I'm question? asking you. Yeah,
1: but it's but it's difficult. it's difficult. I mean, so that the people say that's okay, as a four four is the minimal number. Okay. Uh, if you have a four color, then you can uh, draw all the, the possible co- possible map with only four colors that uh, none of those two pairs are having the same color. Right, 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 right. And then when I was a junior high, when I, when I got into junior high school, that my father said, so. Folk color problem on the torus in a donut's mm. surface mm. was solved. Mm. And then it was uh, four-color. But still, two-dimension was not solved. Mm. But when I got into high school, then the computer solved the problem.
0: Uh, I thought you were going to tell me you solved it in high school. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the computer solved it. Yeah,
1: so that's, you know, these are the one of the examples that I, I use. Uh, Frequently discussing with my father about math, mm. physics, chemistry.
0: Right. Yeah. It, it, so, did you have this? Um, you obviously had an appreciation from an early age, then, of you know working through these problems. Mm. But was the kind of gamification of these problems part of your education? I know a lot, a lot of people who get into physics or even computer science are, are into kind of puzzles and things like that. Mm-hmm. Was that a general theme of your childhood?
1: Uh, for me or for, for everybody? I mean, no, for you, for you in particular. Yeah. Um, actually, I most sort of I'm I'm watching Star Trek, for example, like a lot, uh, right? And then okay. other, you know, uh, some interesting movies. But I wasn't so much into games. But my father was really like puzzles, like three-dimensional yeah, okay. puzzles, and he brought me home, and then I uh, I, I challenged the game, but okay. I wasn't so much into it because. Yeah, okay. The game was not so, like a Space Invader game mm. appeared when I got into university, Okay, so I uh, wasn't a chance to play with it <laughs> right, so much.
0: Right. right, right. Yeah, once Space Invaders comes along, the other games don't seem so fun. That's though. right, that's right, that's exactly but you were saying Star Trek there, so it's very common, right, to hear people in these kinds of professions having these kind of cultural touch points that mm-hmm. were a big inspiration. Mm-hmm. Was there something about Star Trek in particular mm-hmm. that appealed to you?
1: Uh, Star Trek and then also, um, uh, what do you call it in Space Family, uh, Robinson Family, Robinson? No,
0: I'm not going That's that. a very, uh, very space old Family one. Robinson?
1: Yeah. Okay, yes, yes. That's right, that's, that's the one. That's uh, the robot called Friday came yeah, out you know okay okay that's the thing that i was uh i i remember that quite well yeah
0: right so it was the robot in the sci-fi yeah in particular that appealed to you yeah
1: well especially that that tv program but i wasn't so much keen on robots right okay until like recent <laughs> ah, okay because it's i was more interested in you know like um uh, i was <laughs> interested in programs and um, you know evolutionary systems and biosystems. Mm. But uh, to me, robot is something that never become alive, never become human. Mm. So it's very far from what I'm interested
0: in. I'm um. mm. still interested in like what? What was there something in particular that you can t- that you could see in those types of programs or mm-hmm. something that captured your imagination? Mm-hmm. Was it the big ideas that they held, or was it the kind of Futurology or the, you know, looking towards the future and the possibilities that that have
1: uh, there, there, so, uh, there are a series of TV programs from the UK, uh, there like, uh, I don't know whether you know, like, um, uh, Thunderbirds? Mm-hmm. Or, um, yeah, Thunderbirds are
0: a go. Yeah, Thunderbirds are go, yeah, right? Thunderbirds are go yes. <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> and then some other uh, interesting, uh, related to this uh, famous company of the UK, uh, like UFO, you know, what it is? It's this a, company, yeah, UFO the, company. Yeah, no, no, no. The UFO is also made by from from this company. Oh, okay. UFO thunderbolts and um, several different things like a stingray.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah,
1: those are the things I watched on Sunday with my father. <laughs> <So> <laughs> right, right. That I think it's it's one of the, the reasons that I got, got into uh, science. Yeah. Sci-fi, like I think, from TV program, not from the Nobel. So. I think,
0: yeah. Right, right. So, like in secondary school, you did presumably some science subjects and so on, mm-hmm. uh, and then you had your kind of sights set on doing science at, at university at that point.
1: I uh, I want to, I, wa- I wanted to become a physicist when I was uh, very very young. Yeah, like ten years old. Oh, okay, but yeah, the elementary school I was, I was very good at you know chemical experiment mm. when. Uh, I uh, elementary school. So uh, sometimes I teach, you know, uh, math or science to to other students.
0: Ah, oh, okay. Right, right. As a kid? Yeah, as a kid, yeah. Okay.
1: Because I was, I, I, know what, how to do with uh, chemical experiments.
0: Yeah, yeah. And much of that was from your own interest or like scaffolded by your family situation or a bit of both? Uh,
1: from my uh, own interest because uh, there's a very interesting book about chemistry. And um, then this book tells you what what is the fifty plus fifty? Of course, it's a hundred. But fifty H two O plus fifty H C H two O. What water? I mean, some kind of uh, alcohol plus water, mm. in particular. Mm. That when they fifty millimeters of water, fifty millimeter of alcohol, doesn't give you a hundred. Uh, in, as a total, mm. and because this, uh, mo- but that book says a uh, molecular size is different, so that they so there's a space in between molecules. Mm. So that once you fifty plus fifty, that mm. becomes hundred, but it's more like you know stuck in, into each other. I was kind of interested in this because it's uh, oh, there's spaces in between, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. and yeah, and also uh, my big fan was uh, my hero was Einstein when I was uh, a <laughs> Mm. Ten years old, All right i so it i I bought a pin up of Einstein and <laughs> <laughs> on the wall, so that was my job yes. yeah nice
0: nice so so when you do go to university, you start studying physics from the outset, yeah, uh, and did you have a particular interest at that time, or you were just trying to get your hands around this kind of big vast subject
1: well, actually, my father you know constantly told me that, uh, okay, the physics is, is is going to be over now. So you, you It's going to be over. We're yeah, done with physics. Yeah, done with physics. <laughs> I have to think about, you know, uh, molecular biology. So that time, you know, the uh, DNA was found in 1960. Something, but then, uh, the uh wasn't synthetic biology. The molecular biology became very popular now. Right. At uh, that time. Right. So, uh, why don't you why don't you just study molecular biology instead of physics? That's what my father said okay. but when interesting t- thing for a physicist to say <laughs> yeah, <actually>. yeah. <laughs> but then i I took uh, courses in uh, molecular biology and yeah. some other biology courses but it didn't you know attract me at all but okay. when I asked some of the questions and the teacher said well nobody have, nobody knows what this is, and then you know the if you are interested in this that kind of uh, basic questions, you have to go to physics. You know? Okay. Biology is different while you're interested. So I finally decided to go to physics. Yeah, yeah. Nobody ever recommended philosophy. <laughs> no. <laughs> not at <all> time. <laughs> yeah, actually, there was a... Wataru uh, Hiromatsu was... Uh, I think it's a. He's a... I don't know whether he's a phenomenologist or not, but I took his course when I got into the university. And his book was about... Um, what was his name? Uh, Wataru Hiromatsu.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry, no, I don't know.
1: Um, yeah, but the, because this Komaba Camp University of Tokyo is famous for uh, philosophy of time. Mm-hmm. Um, Shozo Omori is another philosopher that's okay. made that department very famous. And then his he, his book was about the uh, the the the. Very big principle of um, uh, common subjective way of thinking, the world or something it was very strange to me. I mean, it's like a subjectivity. I thought it was isolated in in each person, but mm-hmm. he says it's there. Is, there is some some common subjectivity that exists and emerges in the world.
0: Okay, is he is he getting at something like a Jungian collective intelligence here, or is he talking about something more? Present, like we share in some sort of,
1: no, no. I think it's a, it's a the formal one. I think right, and then also he thinks he tried to understand the science from that front point of view, right? And mm. I got interested in this uh, way of his, his, telling science and philosophy how he tried to relate it to each other.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so, so if I'm kind of interpreting this correctly, maybe your resistance to microbiology was that it wasn't asking big enough questions. That actually, the big questions are something that's always motivated you, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, actually, in Japan, uh, there there is a common uh, uh discussion between us that the, there is a Steve Jobs and uh, Wozniak, mm. which one you like, and almost all Japanese people like Wozniak, okay, Steve Jobs, right? So There's no Steve Jobs in Japan, right? It's always people like to be uh. Uh, technician, but not something like uh, ah, somebody see, like uh, see. you know Steve Jobs. So right.
0: you don't want the the the, the public recognition is so much. You don't want the fame or the presentation or the performance. Even mm. you want to actually be the one doing the thing.
1: Right, right, right. That's that's. I think it's just the kind of atmosphere that I was. It's always, even now, right in Japan. I think. Uh, I mean, you have to be like, uh, what do you call it? Like a technical, te- uh, professional, te- te- techno uh, people It's yeah. okay. But if you want to, you know, you know, try to propaganda or to try to perform something, yes, people think, okay, that's not science. And, you know. He's a Steve Jobs. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to become Steve Jobs, I and mean, there's no Steve Jobs in Japan. That's the only the big. That's the also the big problem in Japanese society right now. I think.
0: Okay. So you see this as having like explicit limitations as well. Because mm-hmm. you you, if you don't mind me saying, are like um you have a presence and you know, you you maybe don't fit my standard mold sometimes of what I you know, what I think you're referring to when you talk about the the, the alternative to Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and is that something you consciously embody
1: or you can? <laughs> I don't know. I've never thought of it in that way. But, uh, but I like Steve Jobs at least. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, uh, or, you know, I, I think it's many people uh, like that. But once you listen to what Steve Jobs is saying, like, uh, don't uh, be foolish. You know, don't. I forgot what's the, what his famous phrase.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, it's not coming to mind either.
1: Stay, stay hungry, something like that, right? Yeah, I know that. I know what you're referring to. I'm the tip my tongue, but it's not common to me. Yeah, but that, I think that's true. I and mean, people, there are many uh, good, uh, smart people around me, and they know a bunch of things. But I, not, I wasn't so much interested in you know knowing many things, and you know, try to be like a uh, uh, quiet, smart guy. <laughs> okay okay so that's where i'm 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 you know collaborating with the artists now, um,
0: yeah, yeah, and this is what I'm referring to when i you know when I, I think about your character I, yeah. I I know you as this person who does engage with the arts mm. and does extend beyond traditional scientific mm. boundaries mm-hmm. is that is that again something you kind of have always done or always been interested in, or was there particular events or experiences that kind
1: of oh. motivated that actually i of course, I have been in, in, been interested in art in arts, mm-hmm. and, uh especially like uh, you know the paintings that I was interested in installations. Like, mm-hmm. uh, um, you
0: mean as an observer, as a as, or, as an observer? Yeah, okay.
1: of course. But one day uh, it was 1999, 2000. The, the Karsen Nikolai, uh, I don't know whether you know him. Mm-hmm. Carsten Karsen Nikolai is the he is uh, he's he's a German mm. and uh, he is one of the pioneers of noise music mm. and uh, he knocked my door on my office right okay and then he said uh, of course there are there was a mail you know before he came but he said uh, I read your paper while he was walking in a New York street mm. and then there was the paper was about um, coevolution of tapes and machines. Mm. Uh, I think that's a selective selection of something. I proceeded or something. I don't remember. Mm. But then he said, he thought, okay, that's the exactly what he wanted to do with his music, right? Mm. And then he wanted to talk to
2: me. Right, so that's right. why
1: he came to, to my office, right? Okay. Then uh, he brought one CD to me and then played it, right? But there's there's something like By the way, this is broken <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "That's my art, man." <laughs> and he said, oh, "No, no, no, he said, this is the right one." So uh, I was laughing, but then that was my uh, that was my ent- encounter with uh, with the noise music. Okay, two thousand I don't know, two thousand one or two.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Then uh, uh, that's that's one of the reasons I get into this uh, sound this sound music. And then after that, I met keichiro shibuya He's uh, he's another uh, noise music, musician at the time. Uh, he just started uh, called Attack uh, Company, of his own company. Mm. Then I, production company or yeah, production company. And then, but by himself and his partner, I think. But then I, I met him in Sony CSL when I was, uh, yeah, I was. Uh, Playing with <laughs> with Ken Ken Mogi, my another my mm-hmm. my, my mm-hmm. Be, best friend. So um, then I uh, came to discuss with Keichiro, uh Keichiro of Shibuya. Then I I found out that he what he was saying is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> he was crazy at all. And then so uh, and then also he was he was living in Shibuya, uh, which was the same direction as I was as living in. So. To, you know in the in the train, we already start to discuss how to make music together and mm. um, that was two thousand four something, and those Carlson Nikolai and then Ke- Keito Shibuya mm. drove me to this direction of you know
2: mm.
1: uh making music in 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 a really practical way but i think i now I remember that I was in in Paris in 1998 where then I was invited to Sony CSL. Mm. Paris. Then there's a Luke Steels. is a he's a professor of uh, evolutionary language, and then and that, that at that time he al- he was already pretty much into arts. Mm. So when I go when I went to his house, there's a bunch of interesting artists came to visit mm. his party, and then I came to know uh, I don't know whether you know Gavriel Orozco. Mm. He's from Mexico, and then he's a photographer. He's a sort of interesting inter- installation that he has a big Volkswagen, and he divided into three pieces, and then you know throw away the middle one, mm. and then ah, okay, through, okay, the okay. through them right, and right. become a thin Volkswagen. Yeah, I feel like you might have seen that somewhere. Yeah. Well, maybe there's a there's a fan, and then there's a uh, the pep- toilet paper on these fans. Mm. So yeah, definitely that. Right, right so uh, i I came to know him because he was interested in fractals and chaos. Mm. and then so that uh, was my professional, so I explained to him about the fractals what is fractals what's the concept of uh, mm. you know uh, fractal dimensions and chaos. and then we went to the uh Street to buy uh, books on fractals yeah chaos. nice nice, and that's where we came to know each other and then he was in Paris for his first uh, exhibition in Paris and then he was preparing his stuff, so uh, we went out to drink in, in you know, uh, to the Shite Island, or across the close to Shite Island, so that we became very good friends. Mm. Uh, actually, he's now in Tokyo, but, uh, you yeah. so that's also pretty much the, the, all the experiences in Paris in
2: 1998.
1: Mm. I came to know many art artists. Not only in Paris but the Brussels and London, and that was potentially uh drove me to uh that world wars, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good time. You yeah, have in Paris. oh, yes, yeah, that was a very good time in Paris. Yeah, yeah. Do you like how do you think about the relationship between? Well, I have, I have loads of questions on that, but like, right right now how do you think about the relationship between art and science do you, do you see it as necessary do you see it as a nice kind of add on do you see it as
1: generative uh-huh. uh that's a that's a deep and difficult uh i mean it's a difficult but uh, it's a uh, i think it's very common on the basic questions I, right mm. and then i i myself i have not i haven't thought that i have to do earth right because it's always coming from outside, right? I mean, Katero wanted to, me to collaborate mm-hmm. to do make something, or <coughs> some other people want me to do like a dance performance. What, what about dance performance, right? So, uh, but I myself, you know, uh, I do like complex system science, mm-hmm. artificial life. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I've never thought, you know, okay, next time I do arts. It's okay. something that's quite different for me, mm-hmm. and there are many people, like you know, bringing like. Uh, okay, this is a very nice picture from deep neural network, so that's maybe I can put mm-hmm. it as an art piece, which is okay, but that's not my style. Mm-hmm. And also there are some, uh, there's very interesting phase plo- plot, phase f- phase plot of chaotic attractors. Mm-hmm. So let's make it as an art piece. Mm-hmm. Fine, but uh, that's not my style. So it's, uh, when I do art installation, I I do have to have some big principle of what, I want to do like, mm-hmm. like uh, machine consciousness is one thing, so how can do machine consciousness to 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 present my ideas? But uh, usually, you know, what science journals never accept. You know, if I write, like, okay, there is a machine consciousness, <laughs> do this and this, and of course the reviewer will say, okay, but how do you prove that there is a consciousness in this machine? Right? And then, I can do this and this, but of course, it's very difficult to convince reviewers, right? Mm-hmm. And then also I cannot convince myself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, monitor- I, think, I
0: think we'll come back to this conversation <laughs> at some point. Yeah, please go on.
1: Yeah. So this is my my uh, my standing point. OK, for, for us artwork maybe it's possible. So why, why not just let people to experience, you know, communicating with, with machine. Mm-hmm. And then if you can detect some something different. That would be very nice, and then also I'm interested in what happens when if you make a useless machine and run for a few months mm-hmm. in the outside like mm-hmm. animal, mm-hmm. and do you think a machine can become lifelike? So these are the questions, you know, behind artificial life, also. Right? So to me, it's the uh, art and science is very much, uh, you know, uh, it's it's a continuous uh, spectrum. Sure. Right. It's uh, borderless, but uh, yeah. But I have, but I I came to know that it's very much. Uh, people are so much against me. Like uh, when I'm doing art, and many people don't like it. Because okay, so you're uh, you from inside a, the scientific institution, yeah, especially the. You know, you know that the physicists usually say, "Okay, that's not that's not physics." That's the usual, you know, mm. phrases. Okay. Yes. Okay. What? But what you're doing is not physics. Well, okay. That's not so. So it's. I'm. I'm getting. You know. Uh, <clears throat> um. It's okay. Uh, I. I do understand why they say that. But um, uh, the, on. On the other hand, I don't care whether that's physics or not because. Uh, mm. So, but also the artist says, if you do that, that becomes science. It's not art. That's mm. also their their common words, right? Right. And for example, like I don't do this, but some people do put some graphs, right? And then X axis is like time and the Y axis is like something. And then mm-hmm. temporal evolution is like this. And artists never like this, so of course. Yeah, say yeah. hey, it's science, <laughs> right, it's science. It's not, it's not that's what they say right. so it's i'm in between like you know uh, sure sure yeah so that's what I had a hard time when i i started to do this but uh, now I, I'm pretty much okay but, uh,
0: yeah well I guess it's always those boundaries that are actually the most generative or at least generative in a particular way mm-hmm. do you find this a, my, my feeling because I, I came from an arts background as well but I don't i don't uh, you know indulge in Oh I didn't so know that you're,
1: you're from artists. Yeah artists. so
0: uh-huh. I kind of grew up doing a lot of sculpture. Um, oh I see. So my father was like a fitter welder mm-hmm. and uh, at some point um, kind of working class family mm-hmm. uh, lower middle class maybe mm-hmm. and uh, at some point he had to make more money and he decided that he was going to uh, produce like kind of pragmatic kind of sculpture right so lamps stairs Uh this kind of thing and from the age of about six or seven Mm -hmm. I was always inquisitive with tools I love tools and I Mm -hmm. love fashioning things Mm -hmm. I think the earliest the early well well, one of my earliest memories is me like you know whittling down sticks with a Mm -hmm. knife kind of thing and (laughs) (laughs) yeah I became his apprentice Mm -hmm. so from about six seven eight Mm-hmm. Right through to about fifteen, I made a lot of sculpture, mm-hmm. and then wow. I, yeah, it was. Just, but it was always kind of I, I didn't have a super artistic bent. It was just like practical stuff, but a little bit of flair in it I or see. whatever. Um, but my parents were also into music, so mm-hmm. at some point, I, you know, I I grew up in a rural area that wasn't very rich educationally, mm-hmm. or it wasn't full of ideas, or even possibilities but music became this avenue through which to pursue something that was mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'd read about Bob Dylan or Leonard mm-hmm. Cohen mm-hmm. or Kurt Cobain or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And, and then I pursued music, you know, I attempted to pursue it professionally for a few years I like it. and then had some health issues and I couldn't gig. And mm-hmm. anyway, make a long story short, <clears throat> I came back to philosophy and, uh, With some sense of like the thing I've always been interested in is the ideas. It was just music was the vehicle to get me there for Mm -hmm. a period, right? I could write Mm -hmm. songs and introduce ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, But one challenge I had coming back into philosophy was like adopting an artist mindset, entering into a rigorous academic space, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to draw ideas together in a crazy new way Mm -hmm. and being like, bemused when people didn't like appreciate that I was just trying to do something new Mm. and there's some tension to manage there right in the relationship Mm -hmm. or the scientific mindset versus the artistic mindset Mm -hmm. and the kind of intersection between Mm -hmm. them and I still see it as very generative and you know what you're talking about Mm. is full of possibility but it's maybe not that surprising that sometimes Mm -hmm. the purists if you will Mm -hmm. are a bit put off by something you're doing yeah so Just to, if anyone's listening, I don't know if we'll get this out in time, but you do
1: have an actual exhibition coming up shortly, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Right, Uh, there's a professional dancer called Un Yamada. Mm -hmm. And then she, I actually I met her like 10 years ago. I was kind of interested in uh, solo dancing style. And then I invited her as a lecturer in my class. And uh, then I asked her, can you dance like uh, fake dance and uh, authentic dance? Oh, interesting. <laughs> and she did. And <laughs> That's very interesting. Is, yeah. Whether people can... Uh, can I can I ask, why did you ask her that? Uh, because I was... Uh, I know that uh, all the actors and dancers have uh, script in, in, in advance, right? Mm. They just, you know, try to, you know... Uh, Uh, reproduce again and again the same Mm. behavior that's a sort of practice practicing Mm. doing this and it's uh, it's almost all those uh, actors uh, it's not the improvisation but it's more like uh, you know how you can do the same uh, behavior that he trained Mm. in advance right Mm. but I think it's it's more interesting you know um, uh, without you know knowing what to do but what, how your uh, body will gonna uh, move mm-hmm. and what kind of things is emerging from your body, right? Right, so that's something, um, uh, it's kind of interesting because it's, I know, uh, the movement is important once you grab grabs a glass or you know, open open the notebook, sure, sure, yeah. But that's to me, it's uh, it's a trivial, right? Yeah, it's not but expressive in the same way, it's not expressive, some, yes, right. that's a good word. So if there's no reason, there's no purpose, but still you want to move around and Mm -hmm. what what kind of behavior is emerging and organizing, Mm -hmm. self-organizing and popping up. That's why, because I asked how whether you can do like authentic, you know, acting, Can can you do it? Can you do now or... Something that, that you remember and you can re- you know replay your uh, yeah, yeah, you know, dancing yeah. behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, then so that's what I asked her to do. This was uh, ten years ago. Right. <laughs> but then uh, this February I I met her again because one of my friend um, she knew her she, she knew Yam- Yamada. At another occasion that that's what a-, a-, a life radio I was doing right, mm. and then she took Unya as a as a guest speaker to a-, a life radio right, and I was really surprised that uh, I I don't know whether because uh, ten years I didn't communicate with her like uh, but uh, just ten years after I met her that mm. uh, she came to this a life radio and then we started to. Start to talk. Okay, and I thought was, uh, what she was saying is quite interesting, and then still, so I uh, we discussed what we can do together. If there is something that we can do together, uh, but uh, it didn't came out. But this spring, uh, this A- this April May, that uh, we decided to do something. Mm-hmm. But then I said, okay, but I, I'm going to go to Ois. You know, mm-hmm. from from August, and then because it's uh, this year is the fifth 50th anniversary. Of, of of Okinawa, I returned to Japan mm. you know, from the United States, uh, so maybe the theater are very happy if we can do something, you know, mm. together. Mm-hmm. And Naho is. Uh, can I just say, is she local Okinawan like or she's from? No, no, the, she, 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 I she I don't know where she. Yeah, uh, she's from uh, Shonan. It's uh, it's Fujisawa, It's Yokohama city. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, uh, but she has a lot of friends in I think in Okinawa. Mm. Anyway, that's so because I'm in Oist, the and uh, then it's the 50th anniversary and then Uno Yamada is a well known uh, uh dancer and she knew people in the heart of the theater. Uh theater in in Naha. So that uh, that three points. Yeah, oh, nice. Yeah, unified together and then okay, let's do something in O in Okinawa. Yeah.
0: And do you have like a an idea you're trying to explore there or a theme
1: behind the the, the, the exhibition y- yes um so uh, the fr- there there are three three reasons why i, I try to construct this play. one is uh, because i'm um i do a computer simulation of 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 flocking behavior like mm. swarms right like boys behavior like, it's quite interesting that uh, it's smaller numbers of the boys make a uh, but once it becomes like 10,000 or 20,000, 1 million, right? Then it's a quantity changed into quality. Mm-hmm. And it's a very different <coughs> behavior emerges. So I got interested in uh, swarming behavior, uh, where there is a, a individuality. You could just, for the swarm, what, what, what about the consciousness of the swarm, right? And um, then I also will To look look into um, the actual biological agents moving around like ants and honeybees and tetrahymena all these uh, micro uh, insects and you know living creatures making swarms and Mm -hmm. assemblies it's now that we have a bunch of you know techniques and thanks to deep neural network and also uh, tracking uh, systems it's possible to identify each agent and tracking for many many hours, mm. so there are something that, that we can learn from these uh, new kind of, of bio- my, microbiological uh, study, and then I wanted to, to put them to express, you know, this kind of new discovery. I don't know what this one is. It's something different from uh, what I know from uh, the previous uh, biological textbook. It's something we can call it super organism, like uh, once you know, the swarm's size become large enough. So there's a different layer emerges, which mm-hmm. is, you can call it consciousness, or a new individuality emerges from a, from the world level, you know, assembly.
0: Right, right. Okay, we'll get into the consciousness bit in a minute, but I think, so you're talking about this in the context of the dance, so you're you're going to use the dance in somehow in some sense to illustrate some of this dynamic. Mm-hmm. Is that
1: the idea? Yeah. Well, if it's consciousness, again, that consciousness is difficult to detect, mm-hmm. right? By by something, and it's difficult to measure it. But uh, if dancers can dance with this swarm or robot, maybe dancers can understand or try to be more uh, sympathetic with the, with with, the, with Drones, swarms oh interesting so that that I wanted to know whether dancers can dance with swarms or not
0: yeah okay interesting so you, you've you've this sense that dancers have this the kinds of sensitivities that allow them mm-hmm. to like gear into this larger order right right and become a, a participant of some yes. sort
1: yes right yeah then then that's the first first uh, Stage and second stage is that I'm also working with this uh, GPT mm. three as a la- large, large language, language models. model. Right. And then uh, I, when I used it, I was very surprised because it's it's already passing t- during test. Yeah. So the the responses are very sens- very much reasonable and sensible. Right. Uh, sometimes it's much more than my graduate students. <laughs> <laughs> So, sometimes I, much more than me, I think, have to acknowledge. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better answer. Yes. <laughs> so I I try to use it to let him to to get into the competition between me and Unsan. So starting with me and you, me and Unsan. Also, oh, the GPT tree is going to be part of this as well. Yeah. Okay. And well, whether we can see him as a, a conscious agent or not. Mm-hmm. So that you know. More and more we talk to each other. More and more we feel like, he, okay, here's a his individuality that exists. Yeah. That's even the program is invisible, but still we can feel something in this conversation. That's something that I wanted to show. Yeah. Okay. The second stage. And then also I use GPT three to make uh, lyrics for my Android. I don't yeah. I don't bring Android this time, but the Android can sing. Mm. And then this uh, lyrics is something that I created from GPT-3. This is the Android alter. Yeah, alter. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I was kind of interested in you know, I, I know that uh, this potential of GPT-3 can generate very interesting you know poetry and mm-hmm. lyrics. So also for this conversation, you know, I um, I think that he can you know generate something interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. It's very much like improvisational, but I think it's... I don't know how it's going going to be like, but uh, I'm expecting that he's going to be a very interesting. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) sounds fantastic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So by the time people hear this, it probably will be over. And I'm wondering if you're intending on recording it or anything. So is there some way you could point people? Because when this comes out, the recording will probably... Mm
1: -hmm. Available, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I give it to you, Mark. So, uh, okay, yeah, maybe okay. that that would be nice that you can, uh, yeah, we'll add it to the show yeah. notes or whatever, yeah. don't you think so? Yeah, that'd be awesome, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> yes, this then, uh, the third stage is because I'm also interested in metaverse, yes. So, the uh, the metaverse is something, um, I really got shocked when I uh, I, I wear a head mount, head mount display. And then walk in the street. Mm. I, I
0: haven't w- yet participated in the metaverse. No,
1: no, no. Just conceptually. <laughs> I there was there's a second shock because the first one is when I sit in my, in front of my Mac or uh, the PC computer, then I simulated the chaos and then uh, saw so strange attractors. I thought, oh my god, what this one is, right? It's a simple, simple equations can generate something. It's very complex, mm. which I don't I can't understand, right? Then that's why I get into uh, chaotic uh, chaos theory and theory and then complex system sciences. But again, this metaverse thing, when I wear it, oh my God, there's a different landscape in front of me. Yeah, uh, changes the game a little Yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, why not using this one? I, I think this is, this is something kind of new, new science that's uh, in front of me. It's not just a, you know, a VR technique, but it's a metaverse, it's something that it changes you, the way that you think. Did mm. you experience?
0: Right? Yeah, it changes the social landscape, changes our ways of being together. Yeah, 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 definitely it changes so,
1: our relationship to space. Right, right. I think it's all philosophers should totally. you know, experience this. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, so that's why I. Uh, and then also quite interesting. I made a, a virtual bridge. Virtual bridge is like it's from uh, uh, Shosaku Arakawa, is another artist. That he is making a series of. Uh, Reverse destiny. House, reverse destiny. Uh, I don't know. Apartment, reverse destiny. Lands, reverse
0: destiny. I don't, what reverse
1: destiny means that the, uh, reversing the destiny means you never die. Yeah. So he says if you play around in this landscape, then you never die. If you live in this apartment, you never die. Right? So if you cross the bridge, you never die. <laughs> <laughs> now
0: we're getting into the real stuff <laughs> so what do what do we mean here like w- w- what do we mean by never die what do we mean by cross the bridge what, oh. it, it, are we assuming that so a lot of things surface right as soon as you say something like that actually maybe we can step back a little bit and, and yeah. say yeah i was gonna i was gonna say f- f- for something like that to be realizable mm-hmm. or realized we have to have a particular we would have to have a particular type of consciousness right mm-hmm. that is kind of substrate independent yeah. and capable yeah. of crossing the bridge yeah. so i'm wondering if we can start there with like your understanding of consciousness and maybe mm-hmm. build back to something like this mm-hmm. maybe
1: i'll write it down Averse verse destiny <laughs> <laughs> let's make it make our way back here <laughs> so but, but, but anyway so I, I mean i think that shusaka aroko's interpretation is that uh, uh consciousness is not in in the brain, the brain in the vacuum, right? Brain is always full of information from outside, a bunch of sensors, right? And it's connected with the whole whole world. You know, in the rest of the world is also the part of the constituent of conscious state. Mm. So the consciousness is not localized, but it's more like a leaky, leaky, in, you know, diffused into the environment. Mm. So I think that's this way. I think you can change the conscious state by changing the. Int- Environmental structures and things, and if you, the, you know, if you go this bridge, this bridge it's not like a simple bridge. It's like a, a bunch of houses and rooms, and you have to go through you know, this room and then go to like a big hole. and then you go to down the too, and then climbing up like hundred meters, and it, like like this is kind of crazy bridge. Uh, that uh, gives you like a different way of using your embodiment. And the different usa- usage of your embodiment changes the way that you generate your conscious state. Mm. And then there's a way that you can, uh, uh, I don't know, update your consciousness and then, you know, can maintain your your conscious state. Mm. Um, so, uh, so that's what I, I thought was interesting that I've been discussing with uh, shosaka Arokawa like a few years because he died in uh, 2000, I don't know. 2012 mm-hmm. but then i um i thought you know why not you know uh, this is this missing piece the last uh reverse destiny bridge it was planned to build in in france uh, southern part of france france but uh, it w- didn't came out so i made it in in, in metaverse oh ah, cool it's 130 meters uh, so uh, the, when Unsan wear this mask and then she was uh, Crossing the bridge, you know, virtually. Right? Right. But it's interesting is that once you wear the uh, head mount display and then walk through, uh, there was a corridor in the, in my campus that she was walking. Okay, and it's a different feeling. You know, it's not just you know uh, sitting in your chair and then wearing it. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Once you're yeah. walking through, and your body knows that you are moving, right? Yeah. And then, you know, along with your body movement, that the, the 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 vision that you see is also moving, mm-hmm. right? Right. So it's a uh, it's quite different feeling, and sure. also you look the his her behavior from outside. That's very nice, very interesting shoes, I think. Yeah, I and it gives very uh, different constraint to to uh, to your behavior, right? Right. And it's, so it changes the way that her dancing style. I thought it was very fascinating, and then dancers are always you know elaborating to. To produce new uh, new motion style, mm. but uh, wearing you know mask, you no know, naturally gives you a different. I uh, uh, like it. Mm. Yeah, so, so, that's, so you're overlaying these realities
0: yeah. to produce a yeah. kind of different set of affordances. Yes. yes. Which looks strange in right. a space, right? Yeah. yeah. That doesn't yeah. accommodate them. Yes.
1: Yes. I should use this word affordances. Yes. That's why that this is the three stage. The, the thir- third stage that I asked her to do this.
0: Oh, so this is also part of the yeah yeah way. okay okay right.
1: Because this is, the, this is the the proof that consciousness is distributed. Okay. Yeah, and then fourth stage is that uh, again there is uh six hundred uh, No, this time the three hundred uh, robots is on the stage. Yeah. And then she's dancing with those robots, and then that's the final stage. That ah, okay, uh, again okay. this is consciousness is. Now that we understand that consciousness is not localized in your brain, yeah. but it's each of those creatures, and then you are sharing consciousness with those guys, and then even you know trees, and then you know the landscape, walks, everything has lifeless life, like you know, uh, sort of. Uh, I don't want to call it like they have mind, but consciousness, part of the pieces of the consciousness, is everywhere. Right? It's sort of distributed and. That's what I think it's a uh, normal uh, shamanism in Okinawa the idea, is that people think that every everything in the world has sort of, uh, I, I don't know whether I call it soul or mind or spirit. Yeah,
0: it's kind of an animistic view, right? Yeah, it's, uh, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. that's an animistic view. But I think um, what affordance theory tells us is that everything is in the environment. what you can learn from them right and then of course it's the life itself is is in the environment so that you can you can install you can get installed your mind from the environment when you see rain is falling when the wind blows that also causes you to have mind that's my uh, my mm-hmm. kind of hunt so um, yeah do you, so um
0: i know a lot of philosophers would kind of like question you rather <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> robustly <laughs> yes. here I'm generally kind of sympathetic to uh, a view that comes from Whitehead that, um, at the way I phrase it to kind of minimize some of the uh mm-hmm. what people project on it is I think about it like what we call experience, um, is at least continuous with something in the basic constituents of, of matter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that position holds a kind of relational view of consciousness too Mm. and it suggests that when i'm interacting with something in the world i'm perceiving um i'm not just uh say representing that thing Mm -hmm. that i'm perceiving Mm -hmm. but i'm actually in contact with it Mm -hmm. so you know i'm in contact with you through my vision Mm -hmm. I'm in contact with this table through my vision mm-hmm. I'm in contact with this chair and so on um and that mediation of experience mm-hmm. is a is a is a is a, a, a kind of a mediated by contact mm-hmm. but there's some people would say resist the jump to then saying um, even if consciousness is in the basic constituents of the material that adds up to the table um I don't want to go so far as to say that the table itself has any sort of integrated consciousness, uh, but rather it's possibly mediating my consciousness because the locus of my consciousness is, is within me or something. Um, how would you respond to that kind of position, right? That it's not necessarily that consciousness is distributed to the extent that you were describing previously, but that it's, um, we're we're contacting the world around us, mm-hmm. which
1: mediates our mm-hmm. consciousness. Well, I have to be careful to answer those questions. But the first thing that I remember is that uh, Richard Feynman is is also my I mean everybody's hero, or <laughs> seat, <laughs> sure. right? And he says uh, when I when I draw equations on, on blackboard, the blackboard can think, mm. and then what I'm doing is just you know uh, what he tells me and I write down, right? And then, then, then there's the interviewer says, "Okay, I see. So using the blackboard, that you can get some good ideas by writing it, right?" He said, "No, <laughs> this blackboard thinks. Don't you understand?" That's what he said. All right. I'm very much sympathetic with that. Okay. So when I'm, you know, facing with uh, whiteboard, yeah, he thinks. I mean, well, well people think it's just metaphor, but it's, I don't think it's not just metaphor, right? And then. That's one example. Maybe we can come back to this. But the second example is that do um, you know, like a Sapir Wolf? Yes. Hypothesis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, people's uh, linguist, my uh, linguist friend said that was already denied. But um, my experience of uh, programming, right? I mean, physicists back in the uh, 1980s and uh, 1990s, uh, people programming with Fortran. And then Fortran is good for, okay, here's the equation that you have to simulate, like how you precisely, you know, put into the computer program, mm-hmm. and then the people are using Fortran, right? right. But when I d- studied uh, artificial life, uh, there's no equations in the mm-hmm. well, What we need is to try to generate new phenomena, right? Then, okay, I need, uh, the variables should be uh, multiplied and increasing during the process, right? Mm-hmm. And also there is, some other things that like um, uh, different types of mutations coming and functions and variables should be taken equal all these kind of things and Fortran was not good for this kind of programming mm-hmm. so I had to run down programming by myself and I thought interesting like uh, okay I can use malloc I can use different different you know uh, Variables and structures, and uh, we can uh, mix together. Right? There's Mm -hmm. no like this here is equation and here is the variable. But variables, equations, uh, functions, and variables are more like uh, equally taken. Mm -hmm. Then also, then I recently I switched to Python because um, because of this uh, PyTorch, uh, deep neural network. That uh, Python is the main language that we are using. when I'm using Python, then that's another. Uh, we have to learn libraries and functions. It's already there, right? How we can combine them together to make a, a system work. And one even if the same, I mean, the physics always requires that even if you use Fortran or C++ or Python, that the equation is the truth. So that how you can precisely simulate those equations in your uh, computer. But uh, I think in case of artificial life, if you use Fortran, this is the model that you can think of from this Fortran. But if you use C++, here's a model that you can think of, even with the same mm-hmm. phenomenon, but the model can be different. And with the Python, then there's another model is coming up. Mm. So, these are, so the, there's no such things like uh, you know, target mm-hmm. equations, right? But there's a different model that can come up. It depends on what kind of language that you use that's the Sapir-Wolf hypothesis of computer program mm. to me. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, this is interesting, right? So like, even if we go back to the earliest
1: tools. Um, yes, yes, that's the same thing.
0: Yeah. Right, like the open effective spaces or spaces of consciousness. Yes.
1: And is that the kind of thing you're getting at? Yeah. Ah, okay. It's very much the same thing, yes. And then I can extend this one to tools and then language, computer programs, everything that once you change it, then your, your consciousness changes, but the consciousness is something like that. It's always depending on what kind of tools that you use. Okay, so there there might be a locus of consciousness insofar
0: as I'm the one experiencing this thing, mm-hmm. but the consciousness itself is mediated
1: in such mm-hmm. a way that you mm-hmm. have to think about it as yep. so distributed Yeah. Okay so that's why i uh, i think uh, i'm very interested in um, um you know using uh, uh these uh, the language things and then these they have um, epistemic structures in the syntax mm. so once you learn language then you can learn the uh, epistemic epistemological structures behind the language so that you can you can uh, you can wear it mm. right. so that's that's also, the you know Roomba is a uh, uh, Brooks, uh, Randy Brooks, report, right? Right. right. uh hypothesis. I mean, the paper with the uh, Roomba is I think it's uh, intelligence without rep- representation,
2: right?
1: mm. and the uh, Roomba doesn't have the list of bar- garbages. right? And he reversed it. Once the Roomba can absorb something, that's the garbage, right? Mm. You don't have to have the list in, in, in advance, right? Mm. The environment tells you what is something that you have to throw it away, right? Mm. And the machines, uh, you know, the, the morph, uh, shape of, of the absorbing point, right, tells you which becomes garbage and which is not. So I think that's the morphological computation, what we can call um, it, is something that you cannot write down, but the, once you, the system moves, then the list is organized
0: yeah it's a kind of co construction right yeah so the rumba has an umwelt that it creates
1: yes. in its relationship yes, to yes so that's i think those things that I, I think it has the same something in common that the uh, environmental bottomless you know uh, structures and patterns exist in the environment tells you what to do so mm. you really don't have to have everything represented everything in your mind in your in your bo- in, in your brain but once you're connecting with the with the environment and it's installed in your system, in your in your body. Right. That's the, that's the idea. That's what I think is consciousness, and the third pray is is to you know integrating all these ideas and how those consciousness can be treated
0: in different ways. Sure, sure. You yeah, know, I'm quite sympathetic to that now that I understand your position. <laughs> okay. um, the so. Your, maybe you can talk a little bit about, because maybe a lot of our listeners won't know about, uh, say, Alter and your history of robotics mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah. But maybe also um, I'd like to talk about the kind of open-endedness of mm-hmm. that, which is something you're talking about yeah. here, right? Like how this,
1: uh, well, maybe just, yeah, maybe you could introduce us to Alter. Yeah, Alter, um, I'm pretty much interested in, you know, this uh, Roomba things. And then also I did a chemical experiment, how this dro- I made a droplet. With, with uh, an like anhydride, with uh, water, the pH is greater than 11 or something, then you can create some, something like a, a small droplet. So the chemical reaction is not in, in a bulk space, but it's uh, localized, hmm. like a 0.1 micrometer or something. Then it can start to move around. Because it's, uh, autonomy is my, uh, my business. And then I played, I played around with uh, the game of life. Mm. And then give a life. Is the glider is moving around, but it's very fragile. That you bit flip, then it has gone. Right. right. But the, the droplet is stay there, and it's it's moving around, and it's interesting. I studied that. But um, uh, I met Hiroshi Shiguro that he made an android by himself. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, Over himself, right? Right, right. I thought was crazy, but he said. <laughs> He recommended that, okay, okay, this uh, little droplet is okay, but I think you should uh, make, you know, more attractive something. <laughs> I don't know what droplet are. It's not sufficiently
0: <laughs> Steve Jobs, right? The droplet is not Steve Jobs. <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so he says, you know, why don't you just, you know, use Android and then and it should be more attractive. So uh, so I, I collaborated with him and then we made uh, all the three. Our the one that's the Android human face, but it's the body is like a mechanical body. Yeah, uh, he cannot move around, but he has a forty-three degrees of freedom. so move around Yeah, this way.
0: for anyone listening, I'm just saying, like, look up uh, Alter now. You'll find loads of stuff in the <laughs> internet. So it might be nice to have have
1: something in mind while we're chatting. <laughs> so, um, uh, the first one, I I put everything I have been studying, like uh, a high-dimensional chaos, you know, uh, spiking neural network and Autonomous Sensory Network, all these things i integrated into this order. and... Okay, let's become life. <laughs> 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 yeah, but was, uh, it was nice, and but it's very useless and he doesn't do anything, right? <laughs> so uh, people are very much skeptical. I mean, people enjoyed, you know, people stayed like uh, more than 30 minutes in front of the altar and was,
0: What's this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, but then... Is it um, is
0: it at all responsive or what, what,
1: how? sometimes uh, they they have sensors like IR sensors, distance sensors, light, sensor, ambient sensors. Yeah. So uh, it's all those input is, is going into the neural network, and then so that the author can well, can respond to the light, or respond to the noise. Yeah, but it's it's totally meaningless, right? Right, right. <laughs> it, it has no concerns. No, no concerns. Yeah, of course. The question is whether he's conscious or not, right? uh the interviewer from UK that he he interpreted the way that I described that he said okay he the author thinks that this guy has a consciousness <laughs> but uh a free will free will right. yeah but I don't yeah then I um uh, but I decided to use order to uh to conduct orchestra. Mm. This uh, was
0: a later version?
1: Yeah uh yeah Orta 2. Okay. It's the one, one was broken somehow <laughs> okay okay so that when mm. I w- made the alter two that we decided i i i i i, I suggested so the cater of Shibuya is my uh long time uh, long term uh music uh friend artist mm. friend and then he wanted to do uh android opera or uh, something like that mm. like he's like a Steve Jobs right like he's always okay, a, i mean okay. a big ambition and then I said okay, what about you know uh that O- author conduct the orchestra and he said that's a good idea and uh, let's do it so uh yeah with my uh, my my team uh my, my i have team that it's key is he's an artist and he's, he can also program and some other programmers we did uh try it. it's it's half autonomous but half not autonomous sometimes we have to you know teach author to to change the way to conduct because there are four songs from one song to the other song that. Uh, conducting styles, they should be different. One is more improvisational, one one has something like a a rigid uh, tempo. So in a sense you were in
0: training, alter if it like goes off course Mm. a little bit Mm. to come back to... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But sometimes it's autonomous too. Right, right. Okay. And my big question was, what's the difference between uh, metronome Mm. and conductor? Even without using uh, alter, what's the difference between conductor and the metronome? Right? Mm. We, we don't, I, don't, I thought, we don't need any conductor. We just put the metronome <laughs> in front of the orchestra, and that's it. Right. Uh, of course, you know, the, <laughs> all, many people, you know, registered me and said, no, 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 you yeah, don't I, understand. I can <laughs> see the artistic community <laughs> <laughs> push it back here <laughs> yes. a <little> bit. <laughs> and it's, it's totally different. Yeah, there's an interpretation of music, right. and that's yeah. what the conductor tells the players to do, right? To understand the way he
0: interprets the music. Sure, sure. So maybe as an illustrative example, right? If you put the metronome there, you're going to get more or less the same piece every time. But with the conductor, the conductor
1: is bringing the piece into a different shape. Yeah. But honestly speaking, I I recognize music, I understand it. Even though I did, I thought you know, Karsten Nicolai's record was was (laughs) broken. But I like it. But I don't understand the classic music Mm. at all. So uh, I thought, you know, what's the conduct of right? I mean, noise music, for example, like a Ryoji Ikeda, I just, he came up to the stage and then <coughs> just pushed the button and then gone. <laughs> so uh, I, I like that kind of style, so. But then uh, the first uh, rehearsal was, was awful and then players never look up altar and they just played, right? Because they were resistant to them emotionally or something? But they don't understand why you have to look up the android. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, uh, more and more we have the rehearsal yeah. and then they they start to take a selfie with Ulta. Okay, you could feel the kind of relationship change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, if you become friends, they try to be, you know, syn- syn- I mean, collaborate, I mean, s- synchronizing with Ulta, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. That's, so it's it's not only alter but the player changed, <laughs> right? Right. The alter also uh, the alter is uh, mimicking breathing, although he he doesn't need to breathe he doesn't have to breathe mm-hmm. breathe right. But he's breathing in a, in some way, okay. so that also does the player get more so they have a
0: sense of the rhythm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: gradually this uh, you know uh, uh, the mood between mm. players and order is is self organized yeah that's why i think it's get uh it's getting better that's that's why they they went beyond uh metronome mm. but it's more like a integrated uh, unit sure so i thought it was very uh uh I, I said it's very impressive because i didn't expect that so
0: yeah yeah yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, again, if people are, are, are listening, look it up on YouTube, right? It's there, all conducts. Yeah, ducks.
1: Yeah, this is called the Scary Beauty.
0: Scary Beauty. Yeah.
1: That's, yeah. that's the name of the <laughs> It country. has
0: a bit of that about it. Like, <laughs> do I love
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> Am I terrified? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Yeah, then, um, yeah, then um, I think, yeah, we brought it, but uh, when I brought it to Giuseppe uh, in Germany, <clears> then, <throat> but uh, the player can only... Uh, practice with the for two days mm. three days or something so the because the time limits or yeah, because there's limits, actually time uh, limits oh, we okay. cannot get the, the orchestra okay right. and then so we couldn't use like a few months you know staying with Ota. which I is think. what you'd really like to do yeah so the play I, I thought it wasn't good enough and then the newspaper the newspaper says okay yes, this is something that it's it's not a just a, it's not a you know the human or human conductor and it's not uh, interesting they thought it was a bit of a gimmick yeah it's okay a gimmick, yeah but then uh, but then at the, this, at the same time that I was thinking that maybe the author should uh, imitate human behavior I was thinking that the mind is offloaded it's uh, from that point I I was thinking that the, because the author is playing with the players their their mindset is is sort of uh, contagious and then coming to order, mm. so we we'll, we have to extract that point and then have to do some science study on this mm. so when we brought it after the Joseph off we brought it to um uh Barbican Museum in London. so Barbican at that time was uh, was i think there was a exhibition by uh, Google Deepmind uh, and then we are invited to present something. I mean, the present altar, so you put the altar there, and the altar with his, his camera in his eyes can mimic people's behavior when they come in front of him, right, so uh, the mimic, I and mean, sometimes it's it's very good uh, mimic mimicry behavior, and then, uh, but sometimes he fails, when he fails, it he try to uh, digging out from his memory and then try to picking up what is the best uh, mimicking pose of, of this behavior, mm. of, of, of this person. Oh, wow. And then also when he fails to mimic people, people try to mimic Alta, as I said. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, he already, the people are very much, you know, uh, I think it's his human nature.
0: Yeah, there's a kind of emergent sympathy, right? Yeah,
1: imagine sympathy is very important. And then, I thought uh, that that time also I was very much impressed. Okay, humans oh, people are so nice. People, people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I uh, I try to say okay, mutual mimicry can be interesting, but at the same time I notice that the older one does nothing, right? Just you know he has right. a bunch of sensors. Right. He doesn't you know f- uh, program to imi- imitate people. Then people stay, like, more than 30 minutes sometimes, but once people notice that, okay, this guy is imitating, Mm -hmm. and then they are, they only stay, like, three minutes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, once the people understand what this guy is doing, and then he, he understands right, and then he, he doesn't have to, like, explore what's going on out there, what's out there, right? Mm. So that then he, people, people leave. So I think it's, uh, it's uh, interesting that, uh, you know, uh, Don't show explicit functionality, you know. (laughs) So you think that in
0: the first case, the curiosity was maintained because there was some expectation that it's going to do something? It's so strange and so weird that people uh, try to to figure out
1: what what he's doing.
0: Right, right. And in the second case, they figured out what he's doing, but kind of acknowledge, well, this is the limits of what he does. So now...
1: yeah, because oh, I say this robot is made for imitation. Okay, yeah, okay. Good. Then okay. it's dead. Okay, on to the next. <laughs> one. Right. So, uh, but I think you know. Uh, what about you know? Then I I uh, I, I gave a talk in Oist. Uh, I talked about the um, imitation uh, between human and the imitation by author. Right? And then there's a interesting paper by Thomasel Mike Tomasero. Tomacero uh he has mm-hmm. been studying apes and apes paper is Do Apes Ape, hmm. it's a very interesting paper. That uh, the, the conclusion from the paper is that the apes cannot Im- imitate, can, cannot uh, ape human behavior. They understand what they do, so when I pick up the, this bottle and drink, and then apes also mimic my behavior. Hmm. But if I do, I do this and then drink in some strange way, uh, but the apes not so much paying attention to the style. Mm. They, but they drink, so that the goal they understand the intention, but they do not imitate uh, the style of motion. Right? Mm. Uh But interestingly,
0: that but I think human. <clears throat> so is, is, is this is a problem for something like a or a challenge at least for for a robot, right? Like the ape has some sense of the goal intention without passing through all the steps that the human went through. Mm. But the robot might be more in, if they, if it's programmed to 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 mimic right mm. it
1: might be more inclined to follow the steps yeah yeah actually what that's what i think it's what happened to us that is just mimicking style is okay, but mm-hmm. they never understand the intention right yeah so it's it's a, it's a, the other side the other the opposite of of ape, apes right right. So all the is is imitating, like goes up, hands goes up this way and I go this way. Sure, sure. But they don't understand why, why I have to do this.
0: Right. So... Uh, right, if you were stretching to yawn, yeah. they don't have a clue, right? <laughs> 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 They're just copying you anyway. Yeah, yeah, Been yeah. annoying.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah.
0: how big of a challenge is this for robotics and for a life in general? Like trying to... Imitate? No, not, not the imitation, but the intention, the kind of deeper understanding.
1: Ah... Uh, that's what I have to uh, know, but uh, I'm this not... is Alter Four, right? <laughs> yeah, the Alter Four. Yeah, but also there. Are, uh, I don't know whether the robots can can finally find out uh, how you can understand the intention of others. Is I think it's a big you a think big it's project. too too yeah. bigger project. Yeah, but no. But I think you know people have been challenging this uh, this <clears> project, <throat> project because it's for for the robotists. I think it's uh, uh, one of the things that they really have to do, right? Right. Yeah, but but, but, but uh, can I can I add one thing? Sure, sure. Because it's when the apes are uh, brought about by human uh, caretaker, mm. then apes can also mimic side of motion. Mm. So who is bringing about uh, apes is, is a very important factor. Then I thought, OK, the, the girls, I mean, human baby brought about by uh, wolves. And then the world's mind right? mm. so the mind can be installed from outside, not uh, born with mind mm-hmm. that 's what I thought so the, when uh, also b- human babies can mimic human uh, mother's face facial behavior facial pattern right that's it's gradually the mind is imitating copying uh, mm-hmm. from mother or t- caretaker to to baby, so the altar should be trained with uh, with the human trainer, uh, actually. When I did the imitation game with the uh, Alpha through and Ultra Three, and also human, human versus Ultra Three, and it's always Ultra Three when they are playing with with the human imitation game, then they, their behavior gets much uh, rich, richer and mm. interesting. So because it's uh, it's more something is different when playing around with uh, with a human or playing with the uh, Ultra. Another. Sure, 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 sure. I think it's it's different. So that's I. Uh, the, so the next stage is, of course, you know, how to understand the intention. Mm. What is how people can understand the intention
2: of the others.
0: So that's
1: what we have to do. Yeah. Yeah, this seems like a valuable thing,
0: even for like practical matters, like um, you know, AI assisted car technology and mm-hmm. so on. Where I mean, if you have people on the street and they're walking, but they don't seem to be doing mm-hmm. anything strange, but you know, what is the intention of these people? Are they going to cross the road? Are they going to yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's, it's possible in some very trivial way, but uh, yes, I mean, understanding intention is also understanding the motivation and then how the motivation can be installed in Android is a very uh, important question yeah. because we don't know how to do it. I think it's nobody in the world still don't know how to install motivation or wants Right, right. Concerns, desires, yeah, desires. The desires. That's one of the characteristics of, of a human being, of course, in a living system, but uh, robots yeah. doesn't. Do we
0: need to be able to generate something like affect, like just felt, sense, emotion?
1: Yeah, that's the same thing. And, and it's difficult. I mean,
0: yeah. It I, seems I, to I, me like that's even more primary than having wants and desires, right? We can, we can think about... Which th- one is primary, you think? The affect. Uh-huh. I think you can program a want and a desire such that the thing acts as if it has a desire, mm. but the felt sense of wanting is different. And I think there's very basic affective dimensions mm-hmm. like orientation towards mm. the world, right? Something someone like Matthew Reichlin yeah, might um, call existential feelings. And then you have layers of moods and emotions, and eventually to, you have to, you know more specific yeah. desires. Right? I desire that thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So actually, I put um, like forty. Uh, piezo, sens- piezo sensors in 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 all three, mm. and get the sens- sensing of his own body motion, mm. and try to generate his own s- sensory input, and then whether they can generate other ad- affection and also you know self images and se- body schema, mm. and then I think that is necessary for generating uh, desire and wants. Mm. I also sympathetic with this idea. But it's, it's still, it's quite difficult, you know. Uh, you can <laughs> sure, sense your sure. body motion, but it's <clears throat> it's it is, there's some missing uh, links to why then you can have a desire of its own. Right?
0: Yeah. Do you see, so like if, you, if I understood you correctly earlier, you have something of a kind of panpsychist sense, right? Like mm. consciousness is part of the basic mm. constituents of matter. Mm. So f- within that view, you can... I suppose, extrapolate right to the point that once we get sufficiently complex relationships between types of matter, actually consciousness comes along for the ride, right? Or integrated consciousness mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. comes along yeah. for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. So that's your position generally. And then from that, you can actually acknowledge, well, maybe, you know, the biological is not the only basis of something like yes. this.
1: Yes, yes. So the enough, uh, I think it's a sufficient complexity and affordances can generate a <coughs> mindful state in in artificial systems. Yeah. Right. And do you have any
0: concerns with this? Because I know a lot of people who listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. they might you know point out different things that they might see as, well, why do we have, uh, I'll put it to you as, <laughs> as a kind of a devil's advocate. <clears throat> why do we have the kind of, right to bring about a consciousness um, that could be not such a healthy consciousness, right? Like for itself, right? It could be uh, in pain, for instance. It could be in chronic pain or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we guarantee that, you know, the consciousness that we help bring into being um, actually has, you know, uh, something like a meaningful healthy life if you know if we can I guess this is a problem with kids too right mm-hmm. so you bring a child into the world mm-hmm. and you have some of the same concerns mm-hmm. but with the robot maybe there's some mm-hmm. sort of
1: distinctions there. Well I, I think that's also uh, quite uh, frequently I've, I've been asked by people when I give this kind of talk right? yeah, yeah, because the people are very much concerned with the, the, what, what kind of consciousness are you going to yeah. <laughs> generate in this machine. But I think you know, like you said, I don't think human has a, that healthy mind. I mean, sometimes it's very difficult. I and mean, it's, it's um.
0: You mean at an individual level, it's a lot of suffering,
1: regardless. Yeah, a, yeah. and also I think it's a. I have to, I have to think that the ethics should be generated, or we have to think. Uh, generative uh, ethics. Once you have a different uh, creatures, and then those creatures will uh, require different ethics, including them, right? So uh, in this sense that um, her- the meaning of healthy or meaning of good and bad uh, mm-hmm. manner also should be modified according to new kind of um, uh, participant in a society. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the definition of of ethics and mind should also be updated. Mm. So I think, um, well, I, I don't. Of course, I don't have an ultimate answer to that kind of question. Like, uh, and I know I don't. I don't think I. I don't have any responsibility for, for for the new mind to emerging in, in robots. But I think that's the all these. Uh, uh, social constituent and environment generates a mind in each individual right mm-hmm. and then each individual is uh connected with each other through uh, like i as i said a con- sure, if sure. mind is contagious right and then you cannot you cannot shut down other other information coming into your your brain or your mind so it's always you know naturally by default it's connected through Many things, yeah like um yeah so that's i think it's um it's not only the new mind has something something wrong or something bad. it's, it has, it's determined by the rest of the of the consciousness that exists at the same time in the environment. so why the of course the problem is whether we can control it or not right but well, when i me and mark is discussing we talking um I think it's our consciousness is also interfering with each other, but we cannot control it, right? It's a uh, by default, you know, there are some some exchanging is always going on between me and you, so uh, that also true for when the Android is coming in, mm-hmm. there is some default communication is going on, right? Mm-hmm. And then we cannot control it, right? Um, so I think it's the the point is. This uh, unconscious level, which you uh, cannot control, but it's unconsciously, it's strongly coupled when they come in, in, in front of you, right? Right. And the order, when the order is coming unconsciously, we are sort of uh, coupling, right? And then that changes the way that we behave and we right, think. Right, right.
2: So... Uh,
0: it's this notion of participatory sense-making, right? <laughs> yeah. Or even intercorporeality, right? There's this deep yeah. resonance between the bodies yeah. that prefigures yeah. everything yeah. we do.
1: yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so that I cannot answer to you a question, but uh, that's the way that uh, we I think when I generate mind in robots, and then when the robot is coming into our society, and then how the definition of bad and good and ethics should be updated.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, we have to kind of revise everything right in, yeah. in parallel with the, these kinds of advances, yeah. because they, they. I mean.
1: People, when they talk about ethics, when the AI is coming, that people try to protect and preserve the ethics that we have now mm. and don't want it to change it. But I think the ethics should be different when different uh, you know, participants are coming in our society, I think. Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: I'm sure there is somebody somewhere. I mean, there are people doing robot ethics and so on, but mm-hmm. I'm not that familiar with it, to be mm-hmm. honest, to mm-hmm. make any sort of intelligible commentary.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Mark, one of the things that I, I think is, is uh, the definition of in, definition of intelligence or definition of living system is that uh, they want to be, they want to break free. You know, they want to be, mm. they want to escape from. They being, want autonomy. It's not yeah. just
0: that they are entitled to it or something, or that they have the capacity, but they actually want it. Yeah, they,
1: they, yeah, yeah. They want to be not to be owned by something. Mm. When you open the cage, they run out, right? Mm. And a way to to go somewhere, and then you know, uh, uh, like uh, the the, uh, what? Uh, the Garden of Eden? Mm. Adam and Eve, right? Even if it's it's paradise, they have to escape, right? Because it's freedom or not being owned by somebody right. is the, the basic <coughs> principle. I think that's a very uh, also it's a it's a basis of, of ethics. I think. The right to uh, to preserve your uh, right to escape, uh, to have your own freedom is, um, uh, I think that's the that's the basic uh, ethics that we have to uh, keep. You see, th- that's a challenging one
0: for a lot of people when they think about robots, because at the moment the discourse is, well, the AI and the robots mm-hmm. are still under our control. Um, and maybe that's a good thing because these systems are so powerful that we don't want to let them run off or something.
1: Um, do you think so? But but my idea is that, you know, uh, the meaning of making uh, autonomous robots or artificial life is something that they... Under- when we can make artificial consciousness, of course, they what they want to do is to escape from being owned by our society, yeah, ourselves, right? They it's want to do whatever they want idea. to do. Yeah. yeah, so if you go to, to the, your mm-hmm. love and then one day that you find your artificial life doesn't exist, your robot it doesn't exist there, he escaped from your love <laughs> and that's the sign of success. <laughs>
0: Yes, but see, you've thought about this stuff for a long time. Yeah. To me, this sounds like a, a wild and interesting idea, but I've never thought about it before. Oh. <laughs> but it's it's kind of brilliant,
1: <clears throat> but also a little bit like, yeah, I'm going to have to think about how I think about that. But come on, like a, you know, like a Blade Runner. Blade, do you know what that Blade Runner is? Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's always running uh, escaping from. Right, right, right? that's true. <laughs> and then also Ex Machina also. also yeah, yeah, that's true. He, he at the yes, end, right, right. 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 And also, you know, the elephant in the zoo, even he's—they are very uh, much well cared, and they have no fear of of eaten by lion or any other predators. Right. But the wild elephants are much long-lived. Right. Why? It's because they have freedom. They have the freedom. But so, because this freedom gives you energy to survive. Yeah. Right. right. And that's—I think—is. Same for uh, uh artificial creatures and then everything yeah you know, if, if it's, it's if it lives and then you need a freedom right not to be owned by something somebody yeah it's that's i i i brought it as a as a first principle
0: you know yeah yeah i it's it's making me think hard, but I'm wondering. You have a fantastic amount of trust to be like, okay, these incredibly powerful systems, we can let them be free. Where, where does that trust come from, or or are you just
1: willing to take the risk in some sense? I mean, what we have to preserve is our Gaia, right? Mm. The Earth and those ecosystems. Right. I don't know whether the human <clears throat> beings is good for this Gaia. Maybe these uh, the super powerful, you know, uh, artificial uh, AI machines. Uh, good for the Gaia, right? And they de- decided, okay, what we have to do is terminate those human beings. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. Though. <laughs> but, you know, for the, for the Gaia, I mean... Yeah, the
0: people... but, I, I th- I said, but like with the Gaia situation, I think actually a lot of human beings do know how to resolve these issues, but there's a lot of human beings who are standing in the way of resolving them, right? Mm-hmm. So we can't just say human beings as a whole... <laughs> Are a disaster, <laughs> right? And as you said earlier on, you know, you saw the human beings interacting with the robots, and you thought actually human beings are lovely, right? And mm. we we can yes. see that love in ourselves, yes. and we can see yes. that
1: capacity for compassion. Yeah, I only say that that's one possible future. I know you're just <laughs> you're trying to be provocative, right?
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, how does these kinds of possibilities? That's the kind of thing I'm talking about, though, yeah. right? Like, how do we trust in the kind of enabling of these forms of life mm-hmm. that they won't just like in an instant i mean that's what people are afraid of mm-hmm. right i i i th- personally think we're a long way from there that we'll probably figure out the gaia problem before we figure out the free autonomous robot problem mm-hmm. but maybe mm-hmm. you could tell me differently <laughs>
1: yeah well but, 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 but what do you, i mean but what do you think i mean maybe when you go to africa right like the elephants are uh, looking at human beings and Okay, I know that those people, those creatures are very friendly sometimes, but how can we trust in them, right? Maybe one day they're gonna shoot us and try to eat because there are nothing to eat. uh, They decided to eat us, right? That's what elephants are going to think. Sure, sure. Uh, But we don't, very few people think that way, right? Mm. Okay, we just ignore elephants because. They're, they're not human beings right right, I mean, right and for the for the guy here, I think it's elephants is more probably it's more important now
0: <laughs> less troublesome for for sure for sure
1: so um I think you know um the purpose of making a life for artificial intelligence should be like you know uh, preserving like entire ecosystems yeah not only for human beings and then we have to yeah, I don't know how we can trust their behaviors. Mm-hmm. Why, like like elephants cannot trust in our, uh, our behavior, right? I mm-hmm. mean, we say that, okay, we're going to preserve you. And then, you know, we try to preserve the world or the, or the earth. And then, you know, uh, we're not just, you know, uh, hunting you and killing you. Mm-hmm. But elephant might not believe us, right? Right. So it's the same thing, you know, uh, uh, maybe we should trust. Uh, the new machines and AI program that, okay, please don't, you know, attack us. <laughs> and we, we, I know that we, you're so brilliant, and you know, you are capable of, you know, proving math and do something, you know, uh, brilliant brilliant things, but don't kill us, right? That's what we trust. But that's the, that's the best thing that we can do, right? Trust is the best thing that we can do, right? And then we have to trust if we make up machines. And how we can provide the, those evidences, that the, how we can trust them is I don't know. I don't know. I cannot answer to that. But uh, I feel like first of all, we have to make those machines yeah. and see how it how it works. Yeah, yeah. Give them a limited freedom. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think it's a, do you think uh, freedom is such a dangerous factor? I
0: think if we have adequate priors in these robots that attune them in a very basic way Mm -hmm. to shared concerns. Let's not say our concerns, right? But the fact that we might have mutual care for ourselves in the larger larger ecosystems. Mm -hmm. If we can establish those priors um, and then explore that trusting relationship, that's Mm -hmm. probably a healthy way to do it. I'd be very hesitant just to have, you know, uh, a robot factory pumping out these autonomous robots um, and let them run off and do what they want. Uh, you know, you, you've talked before about there's a kind of a bottleneck in the intelligence of the human being which is not present in these systems and to the extent that you can upgrade the hardware of the systems, you can exponentially grow those capacities. Mm-hmm. What those capacities lead to is hard to know. And mm-hmm. generally, I think, I'm a progressive, I think, in my politics and so on, but generally, in terms of the evolution of these kinds of radically reforming ideas, mm-hmm. um, some conservatism is 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 healthy, right a slow approach, a mm-hmm. kind of approach that is already attuned to the existing structures of life of uh, resources, and so on. and
2: mm-hmm.
0: whatever is coming into that mm-hmm. should in a sense serve that I think that should be our human. You know, imperative too, right? Mm -hmm. We exist in an ecosystem that we forgot we exist within for a large, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know, part of our history. Mm -hmm. Some cultures maintain that, right? You know, the Aboriginal cultures have a sense that they are in a system with in which they have a particular role and responsibility, which is to make that system richer in its entirety.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think in a sense, if we have any imperative, it's to facilitate that. How do we get to greater and greater levels of cooperation? Mm. If our robots can help us in that pursuit, or if they have the autonomy that you um, envision, and they are co-constructants in that pursuit, that's a cool future mm. for me.
1: Yeah, because, um, um, yeah, no, no I, I agree with you. hundred I mean, percent. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. But, but the point is, I think, you know, um, why we can trust our friends and uh, neighbors? Mm. Uh, I still don't know it, right? I mean, listening to what the people say to AI and deep deep neural network these days, that uh, if even uh, if people say that it, it's black box, so that's we cannot trust, or we're very afraid of it. Right? right. That's what people say. Right. But do you open the brain of your friend right. and try to try to understand what he thinks? and what makes you trust him uh, what makes you you know uh, believe that he your friend is not going to kill you yeah um i don't know i don't want i don't want it to you know bring up this but uh for example russia or china or many other countries how you can trust the, their behaviors you know and i think ai is not a uh, exceptional so uh, you don't understand. Even if you open up and see the algorithm, you still don't understand what the, he's going to do, right? That's yeah. also For, for yeah, yeah. the other people, and, and that's what the living system is about. Sure. Autonomy is not by just the algorithm, but it's it's in between interaction with the environment and the system itself. Mm. So, um, I think uh, trust only comes, as I said, with with the uh, conductor or the three spend more time with machines, machine, mm. then you can establish uh, like a nice relationship between machine and people. Mm. That's the only way that spend your time with, for example, like Russia and China and other countries. If you they spend more time
2: mm.
1: and then share, share daily life, there is no war anymore, I think. Yeah, well, if we think about the nature <laughs> of
0: trust, right? Trust seems to be an ability to hand off a certain amount of expectation to things being a certain way. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in a relationship, I trust that what you say can guide my action. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a kind of a offloading. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't have to deliberate on it. Yeah, I can trust that's it. Right. And I can see what you're saying. Like if we live alongside these robots for certain periods mm-hmm. and build up a sense of their character, if you mm-hmm. will, yeah, And we can get a sense for the evolution of that character mm-hmm. maybe. And that it, might not be nefarious or that mm-hmm. it needn't
1: be nefarious or something. Mm-hmm. Like the immune system, they, they have acquired immu- immuno- uh, immunity, means that uh, something that is coming from, from without, but uh, they stay within the body, they, you know, they you know, recognize it as a self. Mm-hmm. Right? But, so self or non-self is, of course, some, some of the uh, distinction is, is given by uh, molecular uh, flag, but uh, it's also dynamically determined that uh, whether this this material becomes self or non-self is determined by the, s- the style of the behavior which is acting in your body, right? Mm. So the self is a more dynamically de- determined. That's the same thing with whether, whether if you are uh, sharing uh, experiences with Android or AI, uh, then it's dynamically determined that the friendship and then is is coming out.
0: Right. So like part of the interaction mm-hmm. is the thing that sets up the priors. So in a way, that's an interesting reflection that it forces back on us ourselves, right? You know, we're talking about having these robots mm-hmm. come into being and exist in a world where they support this larger ecology. Mm-hmm. And very often we're not so good at that ourselves, right? It's kind of forcing this reflective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stance.
1: Yeah, so that's why, coming back to the first uh, the, uh, theme of what, what I'm going to do uh, with the dancers and robots, yeah. is that that's, that's one, one of the motivation that there is some spending time dancing with each other, mm. you know, uh, communicating through body, mm. uh, embodiment, and then there is some, some trustfulness or something, uh, trustfulness and some sort of um, ex- mind. Is, is, is generated, right? Mind is not something like uh, isolated mind, isolated mind, and then connecting with each other, right? This uh, connection comes first, and then mind is generated, right? Interaction comes first, and the mind is generated afterwards, mm. like like interaction matters, right? Sure, sure. So uh, once you are dancing with uh, drones, one, you know, communicating with GPT-3, or um, Living in in the metaverse, that all those you know uh, uh, events or the the performances is, is is a sign of how you can uh, spend your time with uh, different types of creatures, mm. and that's where that you can find a new new side of consciousness, a new side of more mind, and then new trustfulness will be established achieved. I think.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, fascinating. I mean, Takeshi, I think we could talk for days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've been here for a while, I think, at this stage. So maybe we'll think about wrapping it up. Yeah. <clears throat> um, do you have anywhere, I mean, maybe you don't want to be reached, but if you do want to be reached, where is it at? Do you have a Twitter? Or do you have an email? Or
1: if you'd like to share it at all?
0: Uh, but Twitter, Twitter is fine, yeah. Yeah, so what's your Twitter? What's your uh, handle? Do you remember your yeah, handle? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's A-L-L-T-B-L. A-L-L-T-V-L. Yeah. It's okay. uh, a- artificial life larger than biological life. Oh A-L-L T-B-L. L okay. Artificial ah, life Learn larger than biological life, life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes that's fine yeah. we got there in the end <laughs> yeah
0: there's so much we didn't talk about it. I think I had a list and I didn't we didn't touch on any of it yeah. so maybe we'll get back to it again sometime okay.
1: thank you so much Mark <laughs> thanks This <Tikashi. laughs> such a long and complex conversation yeah. <laughs> it was good
0: fun I hope, I hope the listeners enjoy it too
1: okay, thank you very much thank you